What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the HoopsHype podcast. On today's episode, Timberwolves beat writer John Krasinski of The Athletic joins me to preview the offseason for the Timberwolves, including the possibility of a Carl Towns Supermax extension, uh, D'Angelo Russell's future, the upside of Anthony Edwards, the start of the Tim Connolly era, and much more. Uh, John has as good a pulse as anyone in the United States on the Minnesota Timberwolves, and he was a pleasure to work with at The Athletic, a good friend of mine as well. John, I'm happy to have you on the pod, brother. How are you? I'm good, Scotto. Good to be back. Hopefully you're doing well out there in the big city, and uh, we're, we're hanging in here in uh, flyover country in Minneapolis, so uh, things are good. Awesome, brother. Love to see it. Um, I got my. I have some cousins in St. Paul, Minnesota, so definitely always a pleasure to keep up on the Timberwolves. They had a great year this year, um, took a step forward, and, and you were right in the middle of it. Appreciated your uh, work covering this team, and that's why I wanted to get you on. We got uh, a lot to get into, and you know, first of all, uh, they recently just introduced Tim Connolly, uh, the newest executive for Minnesota. And I mean, John, it seemed to me like there there had been rumblings for months dating back to earlier in the calendar year that the Timberwolves were looking to bring in an executive um, over Sachin Gupta to run basketball operations with more experience and a proven track record. And with that in mind, to me, Tim Connolly was the perfect hire for Minnesota because they want him to build a sustainable contender in a smaller market. And he already did that uh, with the Denver Nuggets. He showed he can outline that blueprint. And, um, you know, I think some around the league maybe wondered, some rival executives wondered uh, why Minnesota would like up to make some decisions regarding the basketball operations staff if ownership was always going to look to hire a more experienced person over to work uh, with him together. But ultimately I, I do see the two of them fitting well together uh, given their backgrounds and, and the roster that they have. Um, I thought Minnesota was ahead of the curve this year and now Conley's got to figure out how he's going to shape this team around the cornerstones and Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. Um, you were at the press conference when uh, Tim was there and he was introduced I was curious from your perspective, what you thought, uh, what were your takeaways mainly from that press conference and uh, what the start of the Tim Connolly era could look like in Minnesota? Yeah, Mike, it's, I think it's going to be an interesting situation because as you alluded to, this took some time to develop and this took you know uh, a little bit longer than maybe some people expected in terms of having their conversations with Tim Connolly, going through the recruitment process, going through his deliberation process and him ultimately deciding to make the move from Denver to Minnesota. And I, so in the kind of limbo right after the season to while they were trying to see if this was going to happen, they sort of had to let Sachin Gupta run the show just in case uh, things didn't work out with Tim Connolly, just in case he says, hey, I've been in Denver for nine years. I have the two-time MVP. I have a team that is going to be expected to be very competitive next year. I'm just going to ride this out with the Nuggets and and say no, much the way that he said um, no to the Washington Wizards a few years back when they came calling. And that's you know really near to, to Tim Connolly's hometown of Baltimore. So I think that uh, the process itself was a little bit 
wonky in terms of just being able to get Tim Connolly in here and and land him. Um, and so Sachin Gupta made a couple of you know firings and hirings and started to kind of shape the front office in the way that he thought it needed to be if he was going to get the position. Well, lo and behold, they do land Tim Connolly. And I do think that the uniqueness of this situation is that uh, Tim, you know, a lot of times when you hire a new president of basketball operations, they're coming into a situation that needs major renovation that needs, you know, either a rebuild or a, you know, clean house with coaches, with, with the front office and, and, and trade a bunch of players and, and really get this ship, you know, back in the water the right way. But with the Timberwolves, they're coming off a really good season, 46 wins, first round playoff exit to Memphis where they were very competitive. You could argue that they might've been able to win that series if they'd have been able to kind of play better in the fourth quarters. They have a good coach in Chris Finch, who's under contract for a very long time. They have Sachin Gupta. They have uh, an established front office with a lot of people that they really like. And so Tim Connolly's coming in here, um, not looking to make the sweeping changes that a lot of times a new president does make. And I do think that that's what kind of stood out in the press conference was that you know, Tim is a guy who makes connections, who wants to work with the people around him, who wants to empower. And I think that he will probably eventually bring in some of his own people, but there's a strong foundation here that he wants to do as much adapting to the Timberwolves as he wants the Timberwolves to adapt to him. And I just think like that really does make for some, a, a rare occurrence when you're bringing in a brand new head of basketball operations, but that's the way that Tim Connolly works. And I think that's what everyone is comfortable doing here. Yeah. And I mean, in talking with people around the league, uh, he certainly seems to have the respect of a lot of other executives and he seems to have a good personality and rapport um, with his fellow colleagues around the league. So I, you know, I think he'll certainly be able to make some moves happen there. I think, you know, with that in mind, one of the bigger decisions that he's going to have to look at down the line is uh, Carl Anthony Towns is eligible for a supermax extension now. And, you know, John, I mean, keep this one under your hat as well, folks. But like <laughs> after Nikola Jokic and, and Joel Embiid, you can make the case that Carl Anthony Towns is the third most talented center in the NBA. Um, Towns is owed nearly $70 million guaranteed over the next two seasons. Um, and as I mentioned, he's now eligible for a Supermax contract extension after earning all NBA third team honors. Or he, he will be eligible, I should say. Um, so now the question becomes, is he going to be worth the Supermax? And, you know, th this is where it gets a little bit interesting because one executive who spoke with Hoops, I predicted that Connolly will extend Cat. And, and the executive said it's hard to get players in Minnesota Maybe he tries to negotiate something less than a supermax, but what leverage does he have? Um, an NBA scout for a Western Conference team that went up against the Timberwolves often uh, told me that, quite frankly, I wouldn't give him the supermax. I don't think he deserves it. He hasn't done anything to become a supermax guy. He's super talented, but he's kind of flaky, um, referring to some of his uh, playoff games a little bit. And Overall, John, you've been there through through all of this. Towns and the Timberwolves have only made the playoffs twice in seven seasons. But, um, 
you know, the, the foundation is there with Carl Towns and Anthony Edwards now for something better. Chris Finch did a great job last year. Other than, you know, forgetting he had a couple of timeouts to use in one playoff game, I think that uh, he's been a really good coach for them and um, earned, you know, a couple of coach of the year votes that I thought were well-deserved. So with that in mind, when you kind of take that and, and you, you know, you're putting all these different ingredients here in a, in a pot of stew and you're stirring it up, what do you think is the likelihood that Carl Towns does an extension uh, eventually with Minnesota and, and how close to that supermax range can it get in your estimation? I mean, I think that, you know, I, I, I've been around him for seven years. I've certainly been uh, around this team for a lot longer than that. And one thing you do know is that when you have very high level players in Minnesota, you got to do whatever you can to keep them. And so I fully expect that Carl Anthony Towns will get a max offer from the Timberwolves and that he'll sign that max offer. And that I think that I don't know that there is, you know, a whole lot of debate. I understand, you know, you look at kind of the, you look at his playoff track record. I mean, he was, he, he had a couple of very, very good games against Memphis and a couple of games that were underwhelming, um, he doesn't have a long history of playoff success to go off of or things like that. But I mean, I, I think that you have to look at when you're evaluating who Carl Anthony Towns is as a player, it, what this organization has been like around him for those seven years. Uh, Tim Connolly's the seventh lead basketball um, executive in Carl Anthony Towns seven years in Minnesota. Um he has had five head coaches in seven years. He has had one season where there was a teammate on his roster that made the all-star game the year prior when Jimmy Butler um, came and joined the Timberwolves. And so he has just not been surrounded by any kind of stability uh, by any kind of real quality in terms of teammates and, 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 and all of those things as well for most of the time here. I do now, is he the perfect player? Absolutely not. Like he has a lot to work on. He has to get better defensively. He has to control his motions more. He has to kind of continue to show that, that his play and that the stats that he puts up can impact winning. I thought he made steps in that direction this season with the way that he played on both ends of the floor, but I, I still think he's a 26 year old all NBA center who, um, you know, is coming off another all-star game who made some real strides from, you know, coming up, coming out of the fog of the last two years, the death of his mother and a bunch of injuries and a bunch of, um, uh, losses on the court as well. And I think that he really did kind of, grow into himself a little bit and he's happy here. He likes Minnesota. He wants to be here. He likes Chris Finch a lot. He likes the teammates. He loves playing with Anthony Edwards. He's been friends with Russell for a long, long time. Um, so he, this is a, this is a situation where the Timberwolves have a player under their control and one who is, is a very, very good player and um, wants to be here. And so I think in that case, I think you just make that offer. You get him signed for the long term, and then you evaluate as the as the thing goes along. You know, Mike, as as well as anybody, just because a player signs a contract um, doesn't mean that he's going to finish that contract 
in the in the place where he signed it. So if if you if you sign it and it doesn't work and the team st- stalls out or 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 Towns kind of uh, plateaus with his with his play and things like that, he is going to be movable even if it's a max kind of contract just because of his age and because of the production and his efficiency year in and year out. And so um, I just don't think that there's a whole lot of debate um, in my eyes in terms of what they're going to do just for, for all of those factors that come in. I just expect that at some point this summer, there will be a big press conference saying Carl Anthony Towns has signed this max deal. He's one of our guys going forward. He's one of our tent pole players. And they're going to kind of keep pushing forward with this model because just, just to wrap this up a, a very long answer, but if you do not sign him to an extension, or if you try to kind of play games with the negotiating and less money here or there, then you have a, then you have an, uh, a possibility of, of alienating him of things going like Deandre Ayton, like went with Deandre Ayton and Phoenix. And then if you trade him, the, the, the first thing you're going to want is some kind of a big to space the floor for Anthony Edwards to give him room to operate and drive to the basket. Well, there's very, very, very few, if any, players that fit that mold better than Carl Anthony Towns. And so that's why I just think that they're going to go forward. They're going to get that done. He wants to be here. They want him here. Um, this is not a market that gets a lot of free agents or anything like that. So got to get make keep your guys happy. And I think he's deserved, he's earned that part. So um, that's what I expect to happen at some point this summer. Okay. So you are expecting uh, the max now. Just So that's a super max you're expecting. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's qualified for it now. I, you know, is there a chance? Is there a small chance that towns may look at this and say, Hey, to give us the best chance to build around, maybe I take a, a little something slightly less than the supermax. It's possible. I don't think it's likely. I agree. Um, it's it's going to be, there are going to be over the cap at that point. Anyway, yep. he'll, he'll exactly he'll take his money. I would imagine. And, and look, I agree. I think, you know, um, I, I think John, especially me being, um, here in New York, I mean, there was always like little whispers of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll paraphrase this a little bit in a way I know you'll enjoy, but it, it always used to be around some people that were around him. They'd be, you know, listen, uh, all due respect to Minnesota, Carl Towns would, uh, would love to, you know, look at the Knicks one day. He would, he would look at them, you know, being from around here. And it's like, it, you always hear stuff like that, but at the end of the day, publicly and, you know, to privately to other people too. And I think you've touched on this as well. He does like Minnesota and, and they've taken steps forward. Um, now at least with Chris Finch and Anthony Edwards, he's got a guy that, you know, he can help, uh, with Finch. That's going to maximize his talents. That was the first thing he talked about when he got hired and with Anthony in terms of having a, a one, two punch where you can, uh, try to compete, you know, I, so I, I agree with you there. I think overall it makes the most sense. And you, you touched on, um, D'Angelo Russell and him being, uh, close friends. They're, uh, almost, I'm pretty sure they're just about best friends along, you know, with Devin Booker in terms of guys in, uh, in the league. And, you know, recently, I, I think it was on Bleacher Report. There was some speculation from rival executives about the Knicks entertaining, a a possible trade for D'Angelo Russell. And, and my thing was anytime there's a CAA client, um, he's going to be linked to the Knicks due to Leon Rose's past with the agency. Um, 
previously when Steve Mills was running the Knicks, there were some in the front office that were fans of D'Angelo Russell, but they also questioned how he'd handled the spotlight um, in New York. Little different back page tabloids here for the Nets versus the Knicks, as you can imagine. Um, you know, if Minnesota traded D'Lo, I don't know how that would affect, if at all, um, Carl's happiness in, in Minnesota in terms of wanting to um, extend or not. But I'll say this, John, the, the last time D'Angelo Russell was in a contract year, he dedicated his summer uh, to coming into camp in the best shape of his career. And he became an all-star playing 81 games for the Nets. Uh, at 26, he's entering the prime of his career. So on the flip side, that expiring $31.4 million contract makes him uh, a decent potential trade chip as well, especially when you look at the salary structure around the league. Um, but he has the, the relationship with Towns, one of his best friends. How do you see D'Angelo's future um, playing out this summer? Do you think he stays with Minnesota or not? And what would it take for a team to pry D'Angelo Russell away from Minnesota if they really wanted to get him? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that is going to be Tim Connolly's really, you know, kind of biggest challenge to navigate this summer is what to do with D'Angelo Russell and how to handle that whole situation. Because I think that, you know, as, as I said before, I, I think the Towns thing is just what it is. You just, he, he's a great, you know, he's a really, really good player um, and he wants to be here. And so you just, you, you, you sign him. And then if you have to figure it out later, you have to, but I, I think that he wants to be in Minnesota and, and you know, be one of those few players now that just stays in a place and, and, and sees, sees the whole thing through with D'Angelo Russell. He is also extension eligible. He's making max money. I don't think that, um, you, anybody would say, you know, just immediately, you know, as quickly as you say with Carl Anthony Towns. Oh yeah. I mean, he's, he's eligible for max. You give him the max. I don't, you know, I don't think that D'Angelo Russell is going to be a max player on, this next contract he gets, whether it's this summer and he gets an extension or whether it's next year after, um, after a full season um, in, in the final year of this deal, I think that he would have to have a, a great season coming up to re-earn that max money. And, and so um, what Tim Connolly is going to have to sort of gauge here is what is D'Angelo Russell's uh you know, kind of picture that it would take or what would it take to get him signed to an extension? Um, if there is common ground there, maybe you do look at that and maybe you say, Hey, you know, D'Angelo Russell had a really good regular season for the Timberwolves. He was a big reason why they won 46 games and they made the playoffs. He had a huge play in game against the Clippers. And one of the very main reasons that they won that game and got into the seven seed in the playoffs but he did not play well in the uh, in in the playoffs and was on the bench in Game Six at the end, and and really struggled in that series. But you could you know you can you can make a case for absolutely extending him as you know keeping him as a quarterback of this offense as he has, he's a really really good passer. He's kind of a streaky scorer, um, so you have to be able to ride the wave that way with him. But again, another twenty six year old uh, kind of entering his prime and maybe. That all works out. If if you can't come to an agreement on a number this summer with an extension, uh, 
how does D'Angelo Russell handle that? Is he going to be cool going into the final year of his deal uh, and and just playing it out and and going for it the way that he did in Brooklyn? Obviously, that worked out very well for him in Brooklyn. Maybe it could work out very well for him again in Minnesota. Maybe he shows up in great shape. Maybe he's really determined and uh, to to kind of show everyone what he is capable of doing and delivers another uh, All Star you know level season and positions himself for a big, big, huge payday next summer. Um, that could be the case, and that could benefit the Timberwolves greatly um, if they think that there's going to be any issues after it, if they don't get a deal done. Then I do think that you look at, okay, here is a $31 million player um, that we want to make sure that you retain that salary slot, that you, that you keep the flexibility with your payroll, um, do you have to look to move him? And if they do look to move him, what is the market for him? Because he is coming off of that very underwhelming playoff series. And will that overshadow the very good things that he did in the regular season for the Timberwolves? So all of that to say is there's just so many factors with this D'Angelo Russell situation that can go in the Timberwolves favor or not, that I think that Tim Connolly's kind of first order of business here in addition to preparing for the draft later this month is to try to get a handle on that and what is realistic what is a realistic outcome for them so um i don't know what the answer is to it um i think that uh it but whatever they do i think will really have a big impact on what their season looks like next year and you know, if they if they handle it the wrong way, if it doesn't work out, um, if they make a poor trade or if they, you know, they don't sign D'Angelo to an extension and he really wants it and he comes in a little unhappy, that has the 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 ability to really affect them in a negative way going into next season. If they make a, either a really good trade or if they get something, if they get some sort of level of understanding with D'Angelo Russell with a contract extension this summer or just to get it a very determined D'Angelo Russell going into a contract, uh, going into the final year of his deal in, in, in training camp and he shows up and is ready to ball out, then that really can play in their favor. Um, and so there's just so many factors with it. And I, I honestly don't know which way it's going to go. And I'm not sure how it's going to shake out, but it's going to have a huge impact on what happens to this team next um, next season. It's always seemed like D'Angelo was kind of that third guy on the team that could be interchangeable. Um, so I, I agree with you on that assessment. I mean, I think with Tim, um, I would think coming in fresh to Minnesota, he's got an idea of what he's seen from afar on D'Angelo, but would maybe want to be around him unless he can pull off a trade where he uses that salary and, um, you know, uh, expiring contract to kind of facilitate something bigger time will tell on that. I mean, he's just getting into the, to the seat now, but you know, we also touched on Anthony Edwards uh, during this pod and you know, Anthony's upside I think is intriguing because it's almost going to be a question down the line of, could it be Anthony's team as much as Carl Anthony Towns's team? And so I checked in with a couple of scouts just to get their thoughts on um, Anthony Edwards and, and his upside. And, uh, one NBA scout told me he believes Edwards can eventually be the top player in Minnesota. He said it all comes down to his mentality. We saw flashes of that on defense and attacking the basket, but consistency will be key with him. He's got all the tools. It just comes down to his desire and decision-making. Another scout told Hoops Hype, 
it's Anthony's team. It's not Cat's team. And and Cat knows it, <laughs> which I thought was an interesting take personally. Um, I think that's the future for them. Uh, I wish his basketball IQ was a little better, but he's definitely a competitor. And he's not the nonchalant guy that people thought he was coming out of college. Um, I definitely heard those takes uh, coming out, you know, when he was leaving Georgia. For him to become that bona fide superstar, he has to have the basketball IQ uh, and his defensive commitment has to be better. I think he's already on his way to becoming a heck of a player. Will he be a top 10 or top 20 guy in the league? It remains to be seen. Playing in the playoffs was a great thing for him. If you play on a losing team, you don't get that much exposure and a chance to rise up to the challenge or taste winning. I agree. I think that was certainly a benefit for him uh, in the playoffs this year. Um, John, you watch Anthony Edwards more often than anybody. Um, What do you think is his upside or ceiling? And could it eventually be as much his team as it is Carl Towns's? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I agree with a lot of what um, those scouts said in terms of, you know, there was a real question mark about does this kid really want to be great it, you know, when he was coming out of Georgia? Does he love the game? Does he is he willing to put in the work? All of those things, those all of those questions were answered emphatically from the moment he stepped into the Twin Cities. I mean, he is. He really does work hard. He really does love this game. He wants to be great. He is, um, you know, an incredible physical specimen with just so many tools um, at his disposal. And I do think he is a very smart kid. Um, He understands what he needs to approve upon. He understands where he comes up short and he tries to attack those deficiencies and those weaknesses. And so from a makeup perspective, um, he's got everything that you would want from a star player. I think, you know, he's 20 years old, so he's still trying to figure out how, how to put the work in and what to do to become a great player. And that's just part of the process for every young player in the league. But in terms of his potential, um, just his charisma, his skill set, his the total package. I mean, I I couldn't be a whole lot higher on on a player than I am on him. I think that you know this is a guy that is, you know a couple of years down the road you are looking at as the possibility or has the potential to be yeah a you know, perennial All Star, um, All NBA type guy. Uh, and a real leader of your franchise. I mean, the, the people love Anthony Edwards and they, they want to follow him and they want, you know, they, they want to have him really rise up and, and, and just take control of things. Now to the other point of, is it his team? Is it Carl Anthony Towns team? I, I just always think like one thing that Carl Anthony Towns knows as well as anybody in the league is that you need multiple great players on your team to have a chance, especially in the Western conference. And so I don't think that there is any kind of sort of jealousies or, or anything like that, that crop up between the two of them, because a, they get along very, very well. They really enjoy being around each other. B, they know that their games complement each other. So well, they fit together. They don't, they're not stepping on each other. They're not redundant in any stretch in any way, shape or form, they fit together so well. And so they know that they kind of need each other. And then 
you know, see um, Towns has been through difficult times in Minnesota. Like he knows that uh, if he does not have talent around him, he's not going to go anywhere. And he's going to get a lot of the criticism for not being able to take his teams deep into the playoffs and, and all of that. So um, I just think that they are two guys who can really share the spotlight here um, and, and do it without much of a problem in terms of ego, in terms of, all of that stuff. It's just, it all comes down to the two of them communicating and understanding each other. And they do that very well right now. Could that change over time? Maybe, but um, I, I just think that their personalities, their games, all of it fits very well together. And so I think that, you know, where you might worry about, you know, we, we remember way back in the day, Mike, that uh, Stefan Marbury and Kevin Garnett, like that, that they should have been the next Stockton and Malone. And it just didn't work out because of money, because of, you know, kind of ego and power and issues and things like that. Um, I don't see that with these two guys. I, th- I think that they can figure that out, that part of it out together. And Anthony Edwards will share the spotlight with Carl Anthony Towns just fine. And, and Carl Anthony Towns will do that with Anthony Edwards. And so, that part of it is just really intriguing to think about what the two of them can do together as they grow. And as Anthony Edwards really kind of asserts himself in this league and figures things out, I just think that um, the two of them can be a very formidable pairing, you know, for, for years going forward here. That's a great reference. The, the KG and Marbury, uh, the short window, that could have been a, a 30 for 30. We could have got you a little take on there, <laughs> but um no, I agree. Look, um, I think you need in today's NBA, you need a big that can score and spread the floor, you know, patrol the paint a little bit. You need a wing score guy that can beat guys off the dribble, spread the floor and a, and a point guard that could do the same. Um, they've got that. They seem to complement each other well. And Anthony seems like a fun kind of hype man guy for cat. So I, I would agree with you there. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they can co uh star and and rep this team together um so far so good on on that end for sure and john you know uh, the other thing that's interesting when you look at the timberwolves tim Connolly being there i think is going to help uh malik beasley kind of return to the form that we saw him in the beginning of his tenure with uh the timberwolves um you know for me malik is a guy that uh kind of a microwave type of scorer off the bench, good shooter. Um, Definitely a guy that would love to be in the three-point contest one day uh, if he can make it happen. So I I look for him to to have a little bit of a bounce back year with Minnesota, with Conley there. Um, The two were together uh, briefly during their time in Denver. Um, Curious what you think of uh, Malik Beasley going into next season. Obviously, it's going to be a big year for him and. uh you know, the potential that it's, uh, in a way, a contract year because, you know, next season he's guaranteed for about 15.5, 15.6 million. And then the following year at 16.5, it's, uh, I believe it's a team option. So yeah, that's right. With with that in mind, what do you, what's your forecast for Malik going into next season? Yeah. I mean, I think you're right in terms of the familiarity with Tim Connolly will certainly help. I mean, Connolly was in Denver and drafted Malik Beasley and brought him in and got hit, started him on the development path. Uh, He knows Beasley's family. Well, he knows kind of everything um, about Malik and and the kind of person he is and, and the kind of player that he is too. So that will certainly help things. I think the other thing 
honestly, Mike, that, that will just help Malik Beasley a lot is last uh, summer, he had very highly publicized legal issues. He was in a, um, you spent three months essentially, you know, in, in jail for, uh, the uh for the charges the gun charges that he had uh, stemming from a an, an altercation or an, an incident with some people who unwittingly kind of visited his home or were parked outside of his home and Malik Beasley came out and pointed a gun at them and kind of threatened them as they as they drove away um it was all a case of just complete mistakes um by by the 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 people that were involved in the car and by Malik Beasley and misunderstanding but he paid the price for it and he so all of last summer, he could work out. He was able to get out uh, every day to come and work out, but it's not the same thing. Like he was not able to be in a good headspace. He was not able to go through his his usual routine. And that's all Malik Beasley's fault. He has no one to blame but himself for that. But he showed up to camp out of shape, um, certainly rusty, not able to work on his game as much as he wanted. He's, an, he's a gym rat. Like he's one of the guys who works harder than anybody on the team and for him to have his gym time limited by his, you know, uh, his legal issues, I think that really affected him. So he played really poorly out of the gates last season, but as he started to get his legs up underneath him and as he started to get back into better shape and just really kind of fine tune that jumper, he shot the ball incredibly well over the second half of the season and was a big part of the wolves success. And so I think just having a full summer where he can go to the gym anytime he wants, where he can work out with his trainers, where he can meet with Timberwolves coaches and, 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 and everyone and stay kind of focused and locked in on basketball. I think that means that he will show up next season and for training camp, just a lot more ready to go. And, and I think that will play you know a big or be kind of, it will have huge advantages and dividends for the Timberwolves because they need his shooting off the bench. They need his spark plug. They need uh, his floor spacing ability and they need him to be really consistent. And so having Tim Connolly here too, to help him kind of reconnect with him and and keep him going in the right direction, I think is going to be big for Malik Beasley. And it's going to be big for the Timberwolves in general. So John, uh, you know, wrapping up here as, as we look ahead towards the draft and free agency. A little sad, you know, all good things must come to an end. Always enjoy talking with you, brother. Um, and, uh, you know, you got the, you, you, in a way, you almost like inspire me to bring out like my Minnesota family accent, like with the dog <laughs> and the water as opposed to like yeah. the dog and the water, <laughs> you know, from here in New York. But uh, right. we got the, we got the draft and free agency coming up. And um, I mean, I had alluded to this in our previous hoops hype mock draft, but uh, the Timberwolves are going to be a team to monitor for trading their draft picks. They've got three second round picks in the 40 to 50 range. They got a first as well. Um, and just in free agency, I mean, to me, the biggest question mark is Torian Prince, who was a guy rival teams thought would be moved ahead of the trade deadline before he returned to the rotation. And, and he played well for Minnesota. Um you know, I personally, I don't see Josh Okogie and, and Jake Lehman uh, back this summer. Uh, that's just my assessment. Curious your take on what you see the Wolves looking to do in the draft with some of those kind of a little bit of a surplus of draft picks, especially in the second round and uh, free agency with uh, 
Victorian Prince and who they may look to target, what needs they could look to fill. Yeah. So um, starting with the draft, I mean, one of the big uh, selling points for Tim Connolly in terms of the the Wolves going after him was how productive he has been in the draft, particularly outside the lottery and in the second round. We all know about Nikola Jokic. I mean, that's that's a, maybe the best second round pick in the history of the league. But outside of that, I mean, you're looking at Monte Morris, you're looking at Jared Vanderbilt. You, he's found guys that have been very helpful rotation players in the second round. Then outside of the lottery in the first round, you have Beasley, you have um, um, Bones Highland, you have, you know, he, he then he, he had Jamal Murray in the lottery, but he's had uh, Yusuf Nurkic. He's had a bunch of guys in that, you know, 15 to 25 range where he's found good players that, that really can help a team. And that's what I think they need him to do in Minnesota here because you have to draft and develop here. And, and that's, that's the key to getting guys in is getting good players early and then, and then helping them develop into, into really strong players. So the, the obvious part is, is that they, they don't have four roster spots. They're not going to take four players for, to compete for spots um, in, uh, in this upcoming uh, on this upcoming season. So you, they could, you know, he could use one or two of those picks in the second round for European players and stash them or he could package those picks to try and trade for veterans or move up in the draft. Maybe he uses the 19 and attaches it to one of his, one of the players that they have on the existing roster to go look for more veteran help. Um, so he's going to have a lot of flexibility with the draft on draft night to be active and really kind of consider a lot of his options. When you look at what they need either in trade or in free agency coming up, uh, they need size. They need they need strength. They need toughness. They were they were the worst defensive rebounding team in the league last year. Memphis, Brandon Clark just ate them alive on the offensive glass in that series. So they need some 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 big guys with some muscle that are able to you know uh, block shots or 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 alter shots at the rim and also rebound defensively to end possessions a lot sooner than they did last season. And um, I do think that Torian Prince is an absolutely a candidate to return. He is on the record saying he would like to return to Minnesota. I think he fits in very well here as kind of a level-headed veteran guy who um, can do a lot of different things. And I, I know the players love him, coaches love him, um, and he really likes being here. So I think he's a very real candidate to return. You are totally right on the on the other two, I think Jake Lehman definitely will not return. Um, he uh, he just was never really in the rotation this season, and there was not much of a spot for him. So he'll be moving on. Josh Akogi, they would like to have back. They love him as a teammate. They love him as a as a workhorse, as a and as a defensive specialist. But he also did not have much playing time opportunities because of some offensive limitations and what Chris Finch wanted from those spots. So I think it is possible that he will look elsewhere or, or find something else, but I also wouldn't completely rule out a return if the market for him is pretty soft uh, once, once everything opens. But I think they'll definitely look hard at Torian Prince. They might, if they could get a Kogi on a, on, on, on a, on a, on a team friendly deal to come back and, and just be, be a guy that, they really like having around the building and, and being available for them defensively. They could bring him back. Jake Lehman's definitely gone, but the priority will be find some size in the front court next to Carl Anthony Towns, get bigger, get stronger, get better uh, on the glass. 
you know, it's funny, John, this is a uh, family podcast here and we're talking about, you know, size mattering and a soft market. I'm getting a kick out of it, uh, the descriptions here, but <laughs> I certainly, uh, I certainly appreciated, um, your insight, brother. Uh, could not think of a better person to have on to talk Timberwolves or just in general, um, with life. I look forward to seeing you in Vegas, uh, when we're both, uh, sweating and it's 110 <laughs> degrees in, in July and 60 um, degrees in the casinos. So, yeah. Yeah, man. I, yeah, well, <laughs> that's the funny thing, right? It is going to mm-hmm. be, uh, 60 degrees, but it's ironic, you know, you're, you're cooler in there, but you want to get on a hot streak just as well if you're <laughs> at, uh, blackjack or roulette, but, uh, time will tell how that goes. But, John, thanks again for joining me, brother. Always a pleasure. Um, and hope you and your family enjoy the uh, summer. Looking forward to seeing you soon, brother. Thanks for having me back, Mike. I'll uh, look forward to, to the next time around. And yeah, I'll definitely see you in Vegas. Thanks for having me, man. Yes, sir. I also want to thank everyone else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside Podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members such as John Krasinski, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following John, too, at John Krasinski. If it's tough to spell, Google it. It'll bring it up. <laughs> Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.